0: Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to look at your word. We thank you for each person that's here. And for those who aren't here, we ask that you lift them up and cover them. And let your spirit just fill this place and, and show us what we should learn. In your son's name, amen. amen. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide with, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knows our frames and remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As the flower of the field, so He flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him, and His righteousness unto His children's children, and and such as keep His covenant, and to those that remember His commandments to do them. The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearken unto the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all the works of all in all the places in his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All right, we left off on this uh, the other last week on verse eight. And we've been going through this. It starts out with the command, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And it repeats it twice. And we see it at the end again. He repeats it again. David is going through on this psalm over and over again to say, I am going to command myself to bless the Lord. And so we're continuing this. And he's getting into this middle section as to why should we bless the Lord. And so this is where we end as we look at verse 8 the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. I love this then. God is merciful. He does not give us what we deserve, and we should be so thankful for that. Mm -hmm. One of the things when I share the gospel with other, so many people They go well I just want what I deserve and I'm going no you don't want what you deserve I don't want what I deserve none of us wants what we deserve because if we got what we, would des- we deserve we would be in hell immediately not, uh, not even having a chance and it says he is merciful and gracious God is wanting to give so much to us and sometimes it's amazing when we think about how gracious God is, how full of grace He is. He makes us His children. He gives us all these opportunities to share our life with Him. And He loves us. Why He loves us? Who knows? <laughs> why, why do we as parents and grandparents love our kids and our grandparents? Sometimes it's, sometimes it's yes. for good reason. Sometimes it's, uh, huh? You said grandparents. Oh, grandkids. <laughs> Uh, sometimes it's just because we love them because they're, they're our children and they don't deserve it and we know they don't deserve it but still we love them. God's the same way with us. And then he goes, he's slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. This is so good that God is slow to anger. He doesn't fly off the handle at the very first thing we do. He doesn't fly off the handle when we're really seriously bad toward him. When people shake their fist at him, he doesn't immediately strike them dead. If you read if you read any of the mythologies and everything, if if people shook their fists against the gods, they would have been wiped out immediately. You know, no 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 slow to anger there. They'd be just like a human, you know, these other gods in mythology are are just strong humans. They get mad, they get angry, they get vindictive. And our God is slow to anger. When he does get moved, to anger, you know, moved, he, he is extreme in his anger, but he, it takes a lot to get there. And so this is David saying he's, he's somebody that's worth being with. Verse 9, though, even though he says he's slow to anger, he says, but he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. There is a point where God releases and on Sunday morning right now we're talking about that point when in in the history where he got angry with the whole world for their sinful nature and their lack of obedience and destroyed everything except Noah and and the remnant of the animals that was what God did at the end times he will send the tribulation and 66 percent of the world's population will be annihilated in a period of seven years you think about that you know we're something like i think it's 4.5 million a bill, a trillion people on this world or 6 trillion people it keeps it's growing really fast that would mean that somewhere in the vicinity of about 3 trillion to to 4 trillion people are going to die in a period of 7 years 40 days and 40 nights at the max you know how many hours of that i don't know before they you know, in 40 days you would fall off any, any log or something that you were trying to hang on to. So, so in 40 days he killed, you know, much more, you know, everybody except for eight. But just the idea of the amount of death in seven years, you're going to see nothing but death. The people that are here during the tribulation are going to see nothing but death for seven years. Well, the, the rapture will have occurred, the church will be taken out, but those who are following them are going to be martyred, Yes. There'll be many martyrs during that period of time because they've got 144,000 Jews evangelizing this world and many of them will die uh, because ultimately as far as God's concerned, death of his saints, he says precious in his sight is the death of his saints because they get to return home and they've, they've honored him. So we are looking at that is this case and this. He's saying God does not forever withhold his judgment it will come and uh... this is something that is we need to be aware of god punishes his children but great anger will fall on the world eventually and we see this all the time where people go you know especially even us as christians well how can all these people that don't follow god get so blessed and how can they get all these things and nothing ever goes wrong in their life well first off When we get to this point of nothing's going wrong in their life, we don't know that. Because there are a lot of people who don't share their problems with others. There's other people that every little problem, every little problem is on their cuff. And and those kind of people we get a little tired of hearing from a lot of times. But there's other people who never tell you what's going on in their life. They could be the most miserable people in the world. And when you see them outside outside their family or whatever, you never know that they were miserable because they don't share it. And so we look at a lot of these people that seem like everything's going right in their life and going, oh, well, gee, they, you know, no problems. Well, that's something we have to be very careful of. And all you got to do is look at how many celebrities and stars are on alcohol and drugs or can commit suicide to know that to most people looking at them from the outside, they've got, it, they've got everything. They've got money. They've got wealth. They've got people looking at them with great pleasure. And yet they're not happy and things don't seem to be right. So we need to be careful when we look at others and say, well, they've got everything. They've got no problems. They've got lots of problems probably. The fact that we don't know them doesn't mean they're not not having problems. And God is not going to hold back his anger forever. At some point, he pours out the wrath to try to get hold of some people. Mm -hmm. And because I've shared this with with everybody that I preach with. We look at our kids and we say, I want my kid to to get right with God. Well, sometimes God's got to take them to rock bottom and bounce them off the floor a few times before they realize that they need God. If they're ever going to realize, and God's willing to do what it takes to bring somebody to Him. He's willing to take us as His children to the end of ourselves as well if we're not listening to Him and saying, well, this is what you need. This is the hardship you need before you start listening. The hard thing is getting to where we start listening to God before he has to take us to that point. I've been there myself more than once. I've been there where God has pushed me over the edge and said, okay, you want to do things your way, go ahead. See if how, how long it lasts. And bounce around a little bit and go, God, you know, I've been pretty stupid. Can we, uh, can we get this fixed? <laughs> And he picks us up and fixes it. But he doesn't keep his anger forever. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Even when he lets us get down toward the bottom, he's still not giving us what we deserve. And this is the great blessing I see with God. He does not treat us with what we deserve. Because, again, if we got what we deserved, we'd have been dead the moment we took our first breath because that's what we deserve as a sinner. And I'm talking about an infant. Infants come into this world as sinners and if he treated everybody according to their, what they deserve, as soon as they drew that first breath, actually, the moment they got conceived, they'd be dead immediately. And, of course, that would make it hard to be conceived because your parents would have had the same problem and your, and the, your grandparents would have had the same problem all the way back to... Cain and Abel. All right, God has never dealt with mankind with what we deserve. Now he will at the white throne judgment he will give us what we've asked for because our time of opportunity has ended. And for us as Christians we'll stand at the Bema seat and then we'll have our works judged. And he'll burn up all the works that are, have been done in the flesh and everything we've let him do through us will be rewarded. But you know, we've said this over and over again, we all have more reward than we are aware of. Anytime you're dealing with what's going to happen after you die, Jesus appeared with a flesh, with a body that could eat and drink, but yet he could pass through the doors and the walls. He could just appear in their midst. That's not flesh. That's not flesh. But he had an appearance that had, when he appeared to man anyway, he had some form of flesh. But having said all that, that does not mean that's how he looked and appeared in the heavenly realm. He was interacting with man who had to see a man. Now, will we have bodies? We'll have some form of body. It's very clear we will have some form of body. There will be a new heaven and earth created, which means that we probably have some form of physical appearance and body that fits what john saw as the new heaven and the new earth but what that means exactly and we're dealing with what we started with this earlier from this morning we don't god doesn't tell us you're going to have two arms two legs two eyes two nose two nose uh, one nose and two ears you know and a mouth he doesn't tell us exactly what we're going to look like could we have some spirit form that is just who we are that is a very distinct possibility. We don't know. I don't believe that we will just be a floating spirit out there. We'll have some, we will have some form that will be out there. Now, whether that, how, whether that is a spiritual form, we will not appear as ghosts. I don't think that. There will be some form, and it will seem totally natural to us to have that form because that is who God will have made us to be. We will have a, a, a form of a body, Jesus could just appear in the room and whether he passed through the walls or he just, when he got there, decided he's now time to show up as in the form of human, then that's what he did. We don't know exactly what that will mean. But the Bible also doesn't tell us. And I will revert back to from Annie's favorite book, The Hiding Place, because it's got a good answer. Corey was telling her father that she was afraid to die and, and how would she be able to die? And he said, you know, when we go on a trip, when do I give you your ticket for the train? She goes, when it's time to get on the train. He goes, that's what God does. When it's time for you to know the answers and know, know that you have the grace to get through it, that is when he will give you the grace to get through it. When we get to heaven, we're going to be given whatever form that our body will be And it will feel completely normal and natural at that time because that's when we need that's when we need to know. And so I don't worry about it very much. I mean Because it's totally in one sense it's totally irrelevant to worry about what kind of bodies we have because when we get there, everything will everything will be normal. Everything will seem totally normal when you're there. Yeah. You're not gonna be an ethereal nothing. You're gonna be you're going to be a Creature that, well, for that form reason. that makes, and this is why I say we're going to have a new heaven and new earth. So we will probably have some similar form that we have now. Otherwise, there's no sense in building, creating a new heaven and new earth. Whatever body we have at that time will seem totally natural to us, and we'll be happy. You will be happy if you need to have a body that has two arms, two legs, and a and a head to be totally happy in heaven. Then you'll have that as your body. Yes. This is a great answer I've, uh, that I've shared with people. It, you know, people go, "Well, I, I love fishing. Uh, We're going to be able to fish." I go, "I don't know. It's, uh, it says there's no sea, but there are there are rivers. And you know, if you have to have, if you have to be able to fish to be happy, then God's going to let you fish to be happy. I mean, desires may totally change when we get to heaven, <laughs> and probably will. But yeah, I'm not going to sit there and argue with somebody saying because you know, I've had people argue with people that you well, there's no fishing in heaven. There's no sea. Well, If somebody has to have fishing to be happy, then God's going to let them fish. You know, this is just it, but we will have a totally different way of thinking in there, so it won't matter as much. Whatever we have will seem totally natural, will seem totally right, and we know that it'll be perfect. Whatever that means. And if you want to think in this world, you know, because I know people that are so in love with animals and their pets that I just won't be happy unless my pet's there. Well, then I'm going to let them believe that their pet's going to be there. Now, when they get to heaven and they find out that maybe they do or don't, that's fine too. We do know that there's animals in heaven because we come riding back on horses. So we know that at the very least there's horses in heaven. Now, whether they're the horse that you had when you were young and died when you were young, I'm not going to go. We won't go there. Let's look at these next verses because it kind of goes into what you were asking. Verse 11, for as high, for the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed His trans, our transgressions from us. God is so much greater than us that we think we have to have all the answers and we can't have all the answers because he knows everything. And can you imagine how big the Bible, the Bible's a good size already. Can you imagine how big it would be if it had the answers to everything we could possibly ever ask. And that's just it. Each, each person has enough questions that they would fill a good section of the Bible. And then when you all multiply that by a trillion questions that need to be answered, the, the size of the scriptures would just be enormous. But he's answered enough. And, he'll t- and he tells us, and I, in, a, in another place he tells us, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Yeah. You know, and whatever it is that we yeah. think, yeah. Be the one thing we need to be very much aware of God has the whole thing under control. When we get there, we will be happy with whatever it is that we have because it'll be just what it takes to make us happy. That's What I say, we're going to, have to be rewarded in heaven and there's going to be status in heaven. We know that. The Bible's very clear that, there's, that everybody is not equal in heaven. Jesus told the stories over and over and over again. Now, what does that mean to be greater than others when you're in heaven? I don't know. I barely know what it means here on this world outside of the world's way of thinking in the Christian world way of thinking. Jesus told you that you, you, uh, his leaders will serve. Well, maybe then in heaven, it'll be the same thing. I don't know. On this world, his leaders serve others if they're a good leader. And we all know when we, you know, we've been around long enough in churches, you know, that there's pastors who expect to be served and nobody really Everybody kind of says, well, I don't know about that. They might, may or may not serve, them, you know, help serve them. But they also know pastors who just serve others. And sometimes when you serve others, you get served in return. But that shouldn't be your motivation so that you get served. You just, God has called you to serve. And he oh, says the, the least is the greatest. Yeah. yeah. there's only three angels that have been named. And they are Michael, oh Michael Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer fell. Gabriel is the messenger, Messenger. and Michael is the one that seems to be the one that gets called in when situations get really bad, and he's the one that is the top. And both of them were, as far as we understand, subservient to Lucifer before he fell. Lucifer was the archangel, as far as we understand. The only three angels that are named in in our Bible is Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. There's a host of angels. There's a whole army of angels. As far as we understand, they are the archangels. The three archangels of heaven were Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer was the archangel before he fell, and Michael appears to be the one who's in charge now from everything that we can tell. And the only other time we show any battle between Michael and and Lucifer is in Jude, and the commandment that he said is, the Lord rebuke you. Michael always refers to the Lord's command when he deals with Satan because he's under direct command from, from God. Well, this gets you into God's opinion of authority. And I'm not ready to teach that tonight, but uh, we can go over that some other time. But when God places somebody in authority, they are in authority whether they're right or wrong. The only one who can step in will be God. And we can't rebel against authority just because we don't like the authority and lucifer was above michael so when michael sent to to battle with lucifer directly or in any of his people his command will be the lord rebuke you i'm under his authority now you were my authority i'm not gonna i'm not coming against you but god has told me to do this so he's rebuking you and go away and this is why we need to be careful and even in our country, especially in our country where we vote for our president, and we feel free to to attack and rip our president apart we need to be careful because God has put them in authority over us whether they're good or bad we're getting what God has allowed and what God sent to us. So we need to pray for our presidents, we need to honor them. Now this again takes us to this point of when we do when we're drawn aside and we and we have to obey God rather than man and that we need to take that with great seriousness and this is what the apostles told the, the Jewish leaders you know when they said you can't preach about in Jesus name they go we've got to obey appre- we've got to obey God rather than man he told us to preach we're going to preach but if you and I brought this out many times even though they said that they took the punishment of the government for what they did wrong because the government had the right to make the law even though it was a wrong law they had the right to make the law and punish for the violation of that law now they will answer to God for the bad law as we get closer to the end times we're going to be brought into that same position where the government's going to make laws saying you can't gather together and worship. You can't study the word of God. You can't share the gospel. At those times we're going to have to say we're going to obey God <laughs> rather know. than man, and be ready to take the punishment for having disobeyed the legal authorized government. Which may mean beatings, thrown in jail, uh, loss of you know, fined, whatever that means, we need to be prepared to say, I'm going to obey God even though it's going to cost me something. That's going to be a hard thing for so many people because many people don't understand you've got, you know, if you disobey, you know, because I've heard this, I've heard people, well, got to obey God, that means I'm going to be okay. None of the, none of the apostles were okay when they disobeyed God, uh, disobeyed man. They paid heavy penalties up, up to and including death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego obeyed God rather than man Mm -hmm. now God defended them when he threw them in the fire but they were fully prepared that they were going to lose their life when they were thrown into that furnace and they expected to lose their life into the when they went into the furnace and I think the only reason that they were delivered is because of what Nebuchadnezzar said now who's going to deliver you out of my hand if he hadn't said if he hadn't said that Mm -hmm. to them they probably would have died in the furnace because there was nothing to prove but Nebuchadnezzar was going to be shown their God was stronger than you Nebuchadnezzar I'm stronger than you and I'm gonna I'm gonna let them come back out of the fire and he did believe after that well he believed even before that he had just forgotten what he believed he's like most people it took him a little while to grow but we need and I say this over and over especially as we're getting close to the end days we need to be prepared to decide am I going to obey God rather than man and when I make that decision Be ready for the consequences for that decision because the government is ordained by God. They have the right to make bad laws if that's what they really want to do there. And again, they will answer to God. The ones who make these bad laws will answer to God for what they've done. And they will answer to God for the the unjust punishments they put on people. But they are the ordained authority and have the right to punish disobedience. So we need to be ready and be just as the disciples. We're going to obey God. You guys can do whatever you want to us, but we're going to obey God. And they took the beatings, they took the jailing, they took the martyrdom as it got worse later on. They were going to obey God. And so here we are, it says God's his thoughts are higher than our hearts. All things work together for good. And this is something that some people go, well, how can that? Well, I really do challenge people, read, Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a hard book to read. I'm going to buy a copy and make it available to people here in the church because it's so... it's, just, it's a very hard book to read because people are dying the whole book. Okay, get saved, give their, give their testimony and die. <laughs> and some of, the, some of the... some of it is fairly graphic on how they die. Okay, it was not easy People ripped to shreds. People pressed between boards with uh, with weights on the top of them. People torn into four quarters by animals. Uh, people thrown into the into the Colosseum, burned in oil, uh, and, and many. All true. These are all. Every every one of these are true stories. Yeah. This is. But the whole reason I go there with this is we still remember their stories because. God wants us to remember how faithful he was and we see how God brought life to people because these people stood up for him. And I think it's very important also for us that there's nothing new under the sun. So these type of things are exactly what we're looking at in the near future. The humiliation that they were put through before they were killed in many cases. Mostly, most often, stripped naked, paraded around, the, around before they, on their way to these, these uh, uh, executions. And uh, oftentimes, the more pure that person was in their, in their way of walk, the more that the, they were humiliated before they were taken to the, to the uh, execution. And I still love the story about the father and son that were getting to be burnt at the stake and the father was the one losing his faith, and the son says, Well, dad, when, when you're on the, when you're, when whoever goes first, when they, when they start to burn and they see Jesus, just start praising God. And the son, whose faith was greater at that time, went first. And in the middle of the flames, he started praising God and singing songs, and it strengthened his father, who was next to be burnt at the stake. All of these things, when God, what we look at as terrible, totally bad things, God says, I'm going, to be glor- I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be glorified from this. And it's very important for us to understand. We stay faithful and God is glorified. And, of course, the ones who didn't stay faithful, we never heard about. <laughs> okay? Because they were unfaithful. They were a bad testimony. Many were given the opportunity to deny. And this is the important thing. <laughs> We are going to be facing this in the very near future if God is going to be turning as close as I think He is, and I believe it's in most of our lifetime before we're going to face this. We're going to be given this opportunity to say, deny Him. And there's going to be many people that are going to deny Him. There were many people in the first century that denied Jesus. Some because they just didn't have the faith, some because they were afraid of the, the punishment and figured that just as the world tells us, you know, you know, you can say whatever you want, you know, just tell me what you want to say and you can go to your room and, and, and confess, you know, later on, but you're going to say publicly that you deny him. And there will be a great percentage that will deny him and go back and repent in tears and, or totally fall away. But there will be a number of people who don't reject Him. In in Egypt, when they cried out to God, God heard them. In Babylon, when they cried out to God, He heard them. All through the period of the judges, when they would fall away and be conquered and call out to God, He heard them. And I've been teaching, even in Revelation, when we're in the, the, the seven years of tribulation, the purpose of the tribulation is not just to beat up on people. It is to draw them to God and have them confess and turn to Him. Everything that God does with mankind is is designed to bring them to Him. Okay, now we sometimes look and say, boy, this is terrible, it's evil, it's awful, but His goal is to bring people to Him. The only time that's going to change is when they're standing at the white throne judgment and they're past all their choices because everybody's going to believe when they stand at the white throne judgment. You're not denying God and you're not denying Jesus sitting at the right hand of God because you're seeing them. And at that point, it is too late. You're standing in court. That is not the time to say, oh, uh, I accept Jesus as my Savior. Uh-uh. Too late. You've missed, your, you've missed your window of opportunity. So there is that point where God's mercy ends. It's at your death. Whatever decision you made before death is where you are... You have made your decision for eternity because everybody standing before God is going to say, oh, I, yeah, I believe in you, God. Oh, that's your son with those scars on his hand and, his, and the scars around his head from the crown of thorns? Uh, yeah, I believe you. Oh, yeah, I definitely believe in you now. Too late. Everybody at that point is going to believe, but not salvation belief. They're headed to hell. So is there a time that God stops giving us grace? Yes. After we die. Up until that moment of our death, we have an opportunity. And this is where Satan likes to lie to people. Oh, you've just been so bad. You cannot, you, 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 you've done so many bad things. God just cannot forgive you. And this is why this whole idea of selling your soul to the devil and everything. You know, it's supposed to be the point where you've gone too far. You can't come. can't come back. Jesus died for all the sins of the world. All of them. Now, can you harden your heart so that you don't really hear God's voice anymore? Yes. God is still there, still speaking at you, but even He can arrange to make sure you hear at that point, because you look at somebody like Saul of Tarsus. If you want to talk about a hard-hearted person, Saul of Tarsus was a hard-hearted person. Watching the death of, uh, of Stephen, going around Dragging Christians out of their homes and putting them into into jail so that they could be basically murdered but executed. Going off to Damascus on the idea that he's going to go and drag more Christians into into this state and God gets hold of him. Can God get hold of anybody? Yes, God can get hold of anybody. He can communicate with anybody. But we can harden our heart. We, We do it even as Christians sometimes where we harden our heart in certain areas of our life where we don't hear God very clearly because of where we are at in our sin God still can work through you can put the right person in to say the right thing to you or get you into the right scripture that all of a sudden pierces straight through I think of uh, I believe it was Hezekiah one of the kings of, Eden, of Israel in a battle and the, and the verse says and a man randomly shot an arrow in the in the air and it struck between his armor plating and killed him and it literally says, it was randomly shot. <laughs> it wasn't even aimed at him. It was just, let me shoot into the battle and see if I can hit somebody. And it hit him with all of his armor in just the right place on his armor that it cut right through the armor or right through the, the place where it joined together and killed him. Can't, God can do anything with anybody that he wants to do it with. But we look at this and God says, He's higher than, high above the earth. He's so great is his mercy. And then I love this one. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our iniquities. East and west. Yeah. And I'm glad he didn't say north and south because there's a point where north and south, you, know, you stop going north and you can go south. But you go east and west and you can continue to go east all, as long as you want. You can go for your entire lifetime going east or west. And you're never going to start going the other direction. So God is saying he's removing our iniquity an infinite distance away from us. Infinite. No end. Only God can remove something infinitely away from us. God has removed our transgressions. We need to be able to understand how far God has taken our sin away from us. So often we beat ourselves up for the sins that we've committed, the mistakes that we have made. God has removed them. God has removed the punishment from them. Not necessarily the consequences of them, but He's removed the punishment from them. And He's also promised it that everything, all things will be for, work together for good. Even those things that I do wrong, God works for good. I I keep hammering on this one because it doesn't say most of the things work together for good or all the things that you do right work together for good. All things work together for good. Even when I totally mess up my life in a certain area, Mm -hmm. God will work it for good. Now that good may be just that I empathize with other people who have messed up their lives. But all things will work together for good, even the places where I have messed up in a big way. This isn't just saying all things that God does, but all things, even when I'm wrong, even when I do the bad things, even when I'm walking in sin and do terrible things before I'm saved, God will make those for good. All right, now what that good is, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea what it is because God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. He's smarter than I am, but he's smarter than any of us. He can figure out how to make it for good when we can't figure out how it could possibly be for good. And then he goes on and says, like a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. And this is what I love to think about God God is a great father. Everything good about how we're supposed to behave as a parent comes from God. Our love for our kids is a reflection of God's love for us. Our desire for the best in our, for our children is a desire of God's thoughts to us. How many times do we say, God, I can't ask you for that. I don't deserve it. Most of our kids don't really think that way unless, they're, unless they've been really abused by their parents. But... If you've had good parents, you thought, I'm at least going to ask. The worst they can do is say no. At least I had good parents. I I was always willing to ask my parents for stuff. God is that type of parent. And yet many times we won't go to God and ask him because we're so afraid that he's automatically going to say no. You don't deserve it. Get out of here. That's not the heart of God. God's heart is not to refuse us. Now, he may refuse us because he knows it's not good for us in the long run. But, you know, he's looking to be able to bless us and give give us blessings. He's promised to meet all our needs. Okay? He's promised to meet all our needs. But as a good father, he's looking to give us things that are for our good just to bless us. And how many of us have things way more than we need? Those are the blessings of God. But he said, here, you can have this, you can have that. As long as we stay faithful to them, he's willing to give us millions and billions of dollars if we would stay faithful to him and use it for his kingdom. The unfortunate thing, most people won't do that. <laughs> so most Christians will not be really wealthy because he knows that for many of them, it would be a bad thing to happen to them. But God is wanting to bless us, wants to just as any good parent wants their, their children blessed. Most parents want their kids to do better than they have done. Get more education, have a better job, have nicer things than they have. That's the heart of a parent, a good parent. Now, I realize there's bad parents out there that you know aren't that way, but the heart of the good parent is they want their kids to be, be- you know, do better than they did, just because that's what you want for them. All right, we're gonna close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we've had to come before you and to worship you. We ask that you help us to understand that you are the good and loving Father that wants to bless us. You're not a mean uh, ogre trying to, to beat us and daring us to show our heads on our requests, but that you truly love us and care for us. Help us to fully understand that, and we just thank you in your Son's name. Amen.